Hi, this is Ed Fitzpatrick. If you enjoy local politics as much as I do, be sure to join our friends at Rhode Island PBS for the show A Lively Experiment. Hosted by Jim Hummel, the weekly series features journalists, pundits, and politicians debating the stories and issues that matter most to us Rhode Islanders. Tune in to A Lively Experiment and be part of the conversation. Fridays at 7 p.m. on Rhode Island PBS and wherever you get your podcasts. From the Boston Globe, this is Rhode Island Report. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to the podcast where we bring you big conversations from our very small state. A place where clam cakes are one of the essential food groups and a bunch of friends who call themselves the Clamorati take an annual tour of clam shacks throughout Rhode Island for some intensive taste testing. This year, they traveled 137 miles visiting 10 clam shacks in 13 cities and towns over the course of nine hours, weighing factors such as clam to cake ratio, tenderosity, and the all-important clambiance. To see this year's clam shack rankings by the Clamorati, go to globe.com slash Rhode Island. This week on the show, it's summer in Rhode Island, which means one thing. Well, two things, actually. Folk music and jazz music. Every year, the Newport Folk and Jazz Festivals take over Fort Adams in Newport for two unforgettable celebrations of music and community. Every year, that is, except last year, when COVID forced their cancellation. It was a big blow to fans, to musicians, and to the Newport community. Alexa Gagas talks to Jay Sweet, executive producer and director of the Newport Festivals, about getting through a rough 2020. How the two festivals will be different this summer and what he's most excited about as he welcomes musicians and fans back to Fort Adams. We'll be back with Alexa's conversation with Jay Sweet after this short break. When you want to go beyond the headlines, let me recommend Rhode Island PBS Weekly. Rhode Island PBS Weekly is an award-winning news magazine broadcast that gives you the full story, powered by investigative journalism and narrative storytelling. New episodes of Rhode Island PBS Weekly drop Sundays at 7.30 p.m. on Rhode Island PBS. Watch past episodes at ripbs.org weekly. That's ripbs.org weekly. In the early years of the Newport Folk and Jazz Festivals, acts like Chuck Berry, Led Zeppelin, the Allman Brothers, and Bob Dylan made center stage. The organizers of both festivals were all ready to put on another show for their 61st year in 2020. But then the coronavirus hit. Since then, my guest today, Jay Sweet, who is the executive producer and director of the festivals, has had to roll with the punches 
Jay, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Alexa. Glad to be here. So tell us about the moment you realized that there wouldn't be a festival season in 2020. You mean that huge pit that formed in the middle of my stomach and made me want to throw up? Um, it was a slow, it was a slow happening. I was, um, you know, I knew obviously before we announced that it was coming, but I had a, a very close and personal relationship with former governor of Gina Raimondo, now Madam Secretary. And she and I had been in texting contact and we had some really kind of deep, deep, deep soul searching phone calls. And um, we, you know, I can't thank her enough for helping get the word out when we needed to and, and how we did it. I'm really proud of, uh, of that relationship. So other major festivals like Coachella and Glastonbury scrapped their 2021 plans, set their sights on 2022. When and what made you and the team realize that you could pull off a large scale event this year? Well, large scale is a uh, is by definition open ended. It's a modified for us, of course. Uh, we're basically at about fifty five percent capacity. Um, you know, truthfully, we needed to do it, um, not just uh, for ourselves mentally. And we kind of had made this promise to ourselves after twenty twenty. We said wherever we're going to be in twenty twenty one, we're going to have uh, an event, and if that means five people in an open field at Fort Adams, we were going to do that. If it meant we could have 500 people, we were going to do something. We just, it was too important to our community, I think. Um, and I also think for the, you know, being the oldest festival in America, I think a lot of the eyes were on us to try to be the first major music festival back. This Newport folk and Newport jazz community is so much about the, the social glue of being in the same place, witnessing the same things. And I think that as humans, quite frankly, that all of us, that's something I think we've all missed. What was the response like when you said music was going to be back in Newport this year? I got tears. I got tears. Well, let me, let's, let's be pointed, you know, the governor, our new governor of uh, Rhode Island is the one who said it first. We were kind of, we were, I was, uh, I remember I was on a phone call with a, with an artist and my phone started blowing up. I mean, just going, did you just see the news? Did you just see, I was like, what do you, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And, uh, you know, Governor McKee said, there'll be music in Newport. And, I, you know, honestly, we, we had been talking uh, with with him and his team. And we knew that we were trying to do that. But that announcement actually completely caught us by surprise in a, in a fantastic way. So it was kind of fun to, to have him announce it and then watch this wave of tears and joy and excitement to, to come back. And um, that was a really special day. You know, can you kind of explain to us how different the festivals will look this year compared to years prior? Well, I appreciate that. Uh, it's a great question. Um, qu well, I'll, so much so that we're not calling Newport Folk the Newport Folk Festival. It's called Newport Folk Presents Folk On. And the reason why is it will still have that familial vibe, uh, that intimacy, um, that feeling of a family reunion. That will all be there. But since, you know, roughly 50% of our hardcore audience wasn't able to attend. We actually didn't feel fair to call this a Newport Folk Festival until all the kind of brothers and sisters who, who've been who've been doing this with us for years and, you know, have such a trust that they sell out all the tickets the minute we go on sale without knowing who's playing. 
we just didn't think it was fair to have or throw or present a true Newport Folk Festival. So it's different in the sense that um, we've we've chopped off a couple of stages. Um, we've made the site um, smaller, but not so small, uh, so that you can come in and kind of choose your own adventure of how much space you would like to give yourself from other music fans and lovers. Um, so, I mean, it's really the, the word that we keep using is familial, familial uh, and intimate. That's that's really what we're going for this year. If, if uh, we, of course, are always curating new and amazing young artists who haven't played the festival, uh, there's always a sense of discovery when it comes to Newport um, with both festivals. But, you know, my team and I, I, I personally really, really focused on inviting as many of the, quote, folk family of artists and the jazz family of artists back this year because I think we really needed a, a touchstone of kind of looking around and saying, hey, we're all here together, and that's a, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So we talked about what it meant for the community, what it meant for Rhode Island performers, but I guess for you personally, what was the biggest thing that you missed in not having festivals last summer? The nod. And what I mean by the nod is um, invariably for the last, I don't even know how many years I've been doing this, quite frankly, um, one or two times I will catch someone's eye in the audience, either from the stage or if I'm walking someplace, and I'll just see somebody and there's no words exchanged. And I'll either get, you know, somebody clasping their hands in kind of prayer or this nod or this kind of fist or this like, you know, thank you gesture. And, you know, not to be so philosophical about it, but again, I think with, think of everything else that's gone on in the world since we've last been able to do this. And I really do feel that music is a social glue. It's somebody, you can be on opposite ends of any type of spectrum, the equality spectrum, the political spectrum, the economic spectrum. But, you know, when two people are sitting there watching music being played someplace live, you don't know anything about a person, but without any type of kind of communication, you can look over at somebody and both be playing air guitar or singing that same lyric. And that's enough to kind of bridge a lot of divide. And so the thing that I missed the most, again, was the nod. It was the social interactions of people who were true musical omnivores who just love music and watching people's uh, interactions. I think, I, I think I don't want to speak for everybody, but I will. I think we all missed it, whether we knew it or not. It's like necessary healing after the last 16 right? months that we've been through, right? Right. I mean, that's, here's the thing. And, and somebody said, do you think it's going to be this unbelievably joyous occasion? And I had to take a full beat and say, I, I think joy will be part of it. But I actually think we're not fully healed. I said, this is a, I think this is a healing thing. You know, I think this is the first step, uh, the first step towards um, kind of getting there. And, I, and I, that's another reason why I think it's going to be a little different because I said something that I think there'll be just as many tears as cheers. And not bad tears, just I think this will be a real cathartic experience for not just the staff, I know it'll be cathartic for us. Um, This is our life's work. Um, The fans, of course, but I think the artists as well. I'm obviously in a fortunate position to have a lot of uh, relationships directly with these artists. And, you know, this is a muscle memory they haven't flexed in a while. Look, they can, you can sit at home and continually be dexterous at your craft, whatever, you know, an instrument or singing or whatever it is. That's a muscle. 
But the, the bigger muscle is, uh, you know, playing live in front of people. Everyone's extremely rusty. And, and the one thing that Newport has always provided for, you know, all the artists that play our festivals is, is a safe space to, to kind of uh, take a risk and come back. So I don't think it's surprising the amount of talent that we have coming to the, uh, the fort this year is, is, is pretty darn good. You know, the Newport Folk and Jazz Festivals are both run by the Festival's Foundation, which is a nonprofit. But even though these festivals aren't exclusively intended to make money, taking a year off must have really taken a hit. Um, How is this organization holding up financially? It was a crushing hit, uh, to be blunt. I'll, I'll, I'll take it a step further. We... Some may say it was probably not the smartest decision, but I think ultimately, karmically, it, was the, it wasn't a decision. It was something we had to do. When we canceled the events in 2020, we still had some, as a nonprofit, we still had some money in the budget and the coffers. And obviously, there was a big push to save it, put it in the mattress. We don't know what the future holds. And to me, that was a little like keeping a saltine in your pocket on a lifeboat when everybody's starving. Um, I said, we have to get this money out. I, I, I'm hearing musicians on an hourly, if not daily basis, saying, I don't, I mean, it, the rug was really pulled out very quickly. We kind of we kind of forget, um, you know, I, I'm going to have to move into my van or I can't make rent or I, am, I have food insecurity and I have a family and I'm on food stamps. And you have to remember, a lot of these people can't collect unemployment. So we did the Newport Musicians Relief Fund and it started off, with about, like I said, uh, thirty-five dollars to $50,000, which we blew through in the first five days of opening up this relief fund, which was basically the only criteria being uh, you've either played on either the Newport Folk or Newport Jazz stage, or you were a musician from the state of Rhode Island. So looking ahead to this weekend, you know, can you kind of tell me about what acts you're most excited about? Well, one... Uh, I, that would be asking my favorite child. I can't can't do that. Um, what I am most excited about, as always, are the collaborations. Uh, I'm most excited about the unexpected. I'm most excited about things that I know <laughs> that no one else knows. When those come out, you know, the, those are the things that you know. It's like the giggle. You know, I, I've I've had to sit on a lot of things that I know are going to happen for year for years. For years, um, watching them come to fruition, that's, you know, and I think I speak for a lot of people. I think if I think if it was just about the names, I think we wouldn't sell out on the day we go on sale without announcing a lineup. I think for people, it's truly the surprise, the the experience, the the unknown. And that's, that flies in the face of every other music event that I can speak of where, oh, I bought a ticket to go see band X. I know I didn't answer your question, and I was specific in not answering your question. So I, I don't have. Who's your favorite child? What's your favorite song? I don't. Come on. Fair I think enough. I was going to answer that. <laughs> was looking for some type of preview, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I am excited that Randy Newman is coming back. He's an incredible uh, patriarch in some respects as songwriter in, in the craft. He kind of reached out to us and said, hey, I've been hearing so much about it, and I, I think it's different than the last time I was there in the 90s, and I hear it's pretty pretty fun and cool. Can I, can I come back? And I said, yeah. Yes, Randy Newman, you can, you can come back. <laughs> please, pretty please, yes. 
How do you think the pandemic has changed the way that we plan for, attend, or even perform in these music festivals? And what changes are here to stay for the long haul? You know, I'm going to be the worst uh, guest in the world and try to answer your question with another question that you didn't ask, but I think you'll understand why. I think the biggest thing that's changed that I think is the most heartbreaking, um, as I said earlier about, you know, trying to take this year to to heal, like we're not, it's, it's a celebration, but it's it's a slow, it's a slow burn celebration. The thing that I wake up thinking about what has changed, because as you know, we're one of the few coming back. You, you just said so many are, are, are have canceled for, for 20, so, so it'll be a couple of years, right? Is that generation of musicians, um, you know, it doesn't sound like much, but think of those, uh, I don't know, bar bands in college, right? That were right on the precipice about to make it, about to becoming a national touring artist, that the van had to be sold and the equipment had to be sold. And I, I think the ripple effects for the music industry aren't going to be felt right away. I think there's this huge excitement for immediately to fulfill the need of people that has been pent up to go see live music. I think we all agree. I mean, that's why tickets are doing well. But I think we also need to think about the musicians that can't make it back in being a musician. So I think about them. I think about those bands that were just on the precipice of all this hard work, of all this grassroots. I mean, I remember, you know, whether it be in high school or college or after college, seeing these bands in these small venues, which are so many of them are shuttered now. They just don't exist or, you know were those, you know, 150-person rooms where you would go see a band and you could say, I remember when I saw that band at this venue with 150 people and there was like, well, there was 25 people in the room and after I hung out with the band and had dinner. Think of how many of those stories didn't happen. And think about how many of those artists just can't make it to the other side of this. That ripple effect, how that's going to affect the music industry... I don't know, but I think those ripples are coming, which is exactly why it's imperative for our organization to not let them give up. Don't give up. But, you know, we will we will figure out a way. Don't give up. Jay Sweet of the Newport Folk and Jazz Festivals, thank you for joining us. Truly my pleasure. Thanks to Alexa Gagas for that interview. Here are a few other stories you should check out this week from Globe, Rhode Island. Amanda Milkovitz reports that four more great white sharks have been detected swimming off Block Island, pinging acoustic receivers placed around the island by the Atlantic Shark Institute. Alexa Gagas has a Q&A with Evan Jackson, the COO of the startup Intiscare which uses data analytics to predict the future risk of elderly patients in nursing homes. And Brian Amaral reports that students in Bristol and Warren public schools will no longer have to go to school in Rosh Hashanah now that the superintendent has delayed the first day of school by one day. Find all these stories and more at globe.com slash Rhode Island. That's globe.com slash Rhode Island. Rhode Island Report is a production of the Boston Globe. Today's episode was produced by Caitlin Harrop, Carlos Munoz, and Scott Hellman. 
Audio mixing and mastering by Ned Porter. Our music is from APM. Got a tip? Have someone you think we should talk to? We'd love to hear your ideas. Send us an email at rinews at globe.com. And if you like the show, do us a favor, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. See you next Thursday. Looking to binge watch all your favorite PBS shows? You need Rhode Island PBS Passport, Masterpiece, Antiques Roadshow, Rhode Island PBS Weekly, and many more. Watch them all, anytime, and from any streaming device. Learn more about this member benefit at ripbs.org passport. That's ripbs.org passport.